Welcome back, everybody, to Big Mama Hex podcast. This is Rachel Yoder here sitting down with virtually uh, via the phone. Thank goodness for the phone. Um, a friend of mine, Mervyn Smith Jr., and he and I know each other because he is a longtime person that goes to the Folk Fest, and he also helps out at the Folk Fest. Um, when he was younger, he told me when we met that he actually helped Johnny Odd out at the Folk Fest in his booth. Yeah, and one of the little pick, pick corrals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, one of the little pick stalls like you have. Yeah, in the pig pens. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah. Mervin came up to our booth and started chit-chatting with us. And I just found Mervin to be such a wonderful person with such a kind spirit. And he knew Thank John Hunter. Yeah, thank you. Uh, he knew Johnny Ott very, very well as a child and a young person. And he was so generous with his with his stories of him and his knowledge. And he brought he brought over some really wonderful collectibles that uh, Johnny Ott had given him and told us some really magical and wonderful stories about Johnny Ott, who, who is very much a mystery to many of us um, in the culture and us hexane painters. And it was just so neat, Mervyn, to have you talk to us and tell us so many wonderful things about Johnny Ott that we would have no way had ever known before. So uh, let's just start off right there. So that's how we know each other. And then you can go ahead and share some of the wonderful anecdotes that you shared with us. Um, and they all showed up to me in visual, you know, in visual um, imaginative pictures in my head. You know, as you told me the stories, it's just a really colorful um, rendition of things that happened to you when you were a child. So it's really exciting to hear. So I would love to hear all things, Mervyn, that you would love to share. Yeah, well, you want me to start, but you ask me the questions, and I'll, you know what I mean, I'll start starting on it. Okay, cool. So my first question then would be, um, how did you know Johnny Ott? And you were very young, you told me, when you met him. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you knew him? Well, so when I, I met with him, I'd say it had to be, oh, oh, six years old, about six, eight years old. My father, uh, he, he knew Johnny Ott, and I don't know how he got involved in it, but, I mean, uh, then we'd, we'd go over and talk to him and stuff, and then he... Uh, he had a 55 Ford uh, red station wagon, two-door, and uh, then we'd uh, pick strawberries for him, wild strawberries, and we'd bring him over there, and he'd give us a big box of candy. We'd be all happy. We'd be eating and everything, and he was a kind guy. If you didn't look something for him, he rewarded you more big time. And we used to go fishing. He used to go fishing to... Uh, uh, at the Delaware River, it used to be a big sandbar. I think it was out in Bangor or something out there somewhere. Anyway, I think. And we could only drive down so far, but we'd catch suckers, and he'd take so many along, and uh, he'd use them in the restaurant or so, you know. He wouldn't ask me any other things. I just, you know what I mean. So, so Mervin, how old are you? Because if you were six years old, about what year was that? When you think you remember, about approximately when you met him? Oh, uh, I'd say nineteen fifty-four, fifty-five, maybe fifty-six. Gotcha. Um, and we have to um, tell our listeners too, and the people reading uh, 
you know, Mervyn grew up in a place called Glenhartsville, which is where Johnny Ott was living, and he had uh, the Dyke X. Did he have the Dyke yep. X when you met him? It, was he was that already an establishment? It's a restaurant over there in Lenhartsville. Highly recommend stopping in and supporting them. Um, but at the time, Johnny, it was a restaurant. It was a Rachel. It was a restaurant and a bar at, at his time. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so maybe that's how your dad knew him because you guys were living in Lenhartsville and he was a local business owner. So that makes sense, right? Only live half a mile. Only live about a half, three quarters of a mile away from them. Yeah, and if you guys, uh, listeners or readers, if you haven't been to Lenhartsville, it's definitely a place you have to visit. It's a very, very cool place. Um, you know, I didn't grow up in this area, but my husband grew up in Virginville, and we went through there, and it's, it's, it's really quite a place, quite a very cool place. And of course, the Dijek is awesome. Um. And then, so Mervyn told me a bunch of really cool stories about his time with Johnny Ott. And, you know, he's such a mysterious person to all of us, but his work is is very different than other Hexine painters. Um, there's an element of, uh, there's there's definitely like this magical element where he, you know, Dave Fuchs, I think, said that, you know, he was almost possessed by making hex signs. <laughs> and I know Mervyn told me this really great story that I really want to make into a children's book because it all showed me uh, itself when he was telling me the story that he was so kind of, you know, uh, I guess possessed is kind of a bad connotation, but he enjoyed painting so much that he actually painted you a pair of shoes. Can you please tell us about that? That is such a good one. Well, the shoes, I don't have it anymore. He just, he just painted on the front. Yeah, I think it was a picture, a small picture of a hex sign and like painted the, the back of it there. But we didn't think nothing of it at the time because water shoes and when it wore out, the paint came off. And, well, you know what happens. Then you wind up in the trash or whatever, you know. But it's just such a kind of funny story because I'm sure at the time people, I mean, nowadays, Mervyn, I teach art and that would be like pretty typical for like young people to like, want to draw on their shoes or make designs on their shoes. That's sort of a trendy thing to do. But I'm sure back then it wasn't really a, a typical thing that would happen, would you say? No. No, it wasn't typical at that time. I mean, nobody did anything like that. That was that was one of the kind kinds of things Johnny Out has done for us, you know. And he did he did uh, build a big sign and uh my oldest brother's uh son, my nephew he has to sign. Uh, he has to sign it. So he knows when all uh, all of us are born and everything. So he still has the big sign. That sign, oh. I'd say, is about three foot round. Wow! And so it's sort of like a family tree. Is it? Is it portrait? Yes, yeah, family it? tree on it. Yeah. Oh, cool. Does it have the portrait? Does it what? Like, does it have pictures of the people, or is it just the names and the and the birth dates? The names and the birth dates. Then it has a little, uh, then it has like a little dove uh, on the left side and a little like on the right side. And then it has a heart underneath each one on the oh, top. Wow. Yeah. I love, I love that so much. And I, I loved your story about the shoes because like you said, it was, it was kind of quirky and neat. And, and I just think, you know, just putting myself um, in his shoes, but in the time period, it must've been really, um, he was way ahead of time 
you know, he was like a legend before people were doing stuff like that. And, you know, we just really appreciate that because he was like very super creative and a visionary and, and took hex signs to such a different level than they had been before. Um, and you also told us that he had painted his car, the hubcaps, right? He'd I took it on. Yeah, I know. They're so cool. I'm going to definitely add that to the interview. Um, that was really neat to see. I mean, you could have took pictures. I still got them over here yet, right in the, in the, in the bag, so they didn't get more of the paint off them and everything like that. No, you know what? I took pictures, Mervyn, so no worries. I have pictures, but I thought that was such a cool story. So you and your dad and Johnny Ack going to fish in Delaware, and you're driving around in this really big car. That's a sucker. That took me around March. We'd go there. It was uh, the Delaware River. And I think it was up around Bangor. There'd be a big sandbar, but you can only drive down so far. So I think you had to walk for the last 50 to 75 yards down to the, to the end, uh, to the end, you know, where you get fish. The end of the, the stream. It was wide. It was really wide. I picked that stream the way I can remember was, uh, a quarter mile wide. Yeah, I actually grew up on the Delaware in Bristol, Pennsylvania. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but um, I lived in Bristol. Yeah, I so I grew up on the Delaware. I know what you mean. And, you know, to be honest, the Delaware is a very dangerous body of water. I mean, a lot of um, people, uh, you know, had problems, you know, with the with the Delaware and drowning. It was kind of scary. Um, but, yeah, I know the Delaware very well. That's so cool. And so um, – so can you talk a little bit, Mervyn, about your time that you spent with Johnny Ott? As he's a family friend of yours at this point. And then was he already doing the, the folk fest when you met him? And then I know you had mentioned... Uh, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. He, he uh, when the folk festival started, uh, started out there, I mean, shortly after it started that I can remember, he was there already. Oh, okay, cool. And then you had helped him out a little bit? Yeah, yeah. In the big 10? Well, it's only like eight or nine years old. <laughs> Maybe wow, 10 at the most. Eight or nine, I'd say. Isn't that something? I even remember the big corral. Yet I keep every year, I go, that's where we used to be. We ain't Johnny Ott. I always point it out if I have, if I have my uh, uh, grandson or granddaughter along and everything. I'd say, I'd say that's where we used to be. Yeah. That's so cool, Mervyn. And, um, you know, so so really, have you missed any of the Folk Fest in all the time that they've been going? Has there been any that you've missed, or have you gone to every single one? I've been to every single one. That is very, very cool, Mervyn. Very, very cool. Yeah. But, you so know, like I said, I, I worked for the, the, the last two boys. I worked for the chicken man, and I talked to him. I think uh, a week or so ago, and he told me, he said, that Steve ain't there no more, and uh, they're not having the folk festival. Well, I, I said, well, why is that? Because uh, the state funds it, and uh, I guess most of it's up to uh, Wolf, and he's, he's being an SOB, you know what I mean? And so uh, the folk festival ain't going to open up. That's the way I understand it. Well, yeah, that's so disappointing to hear because I was not aware um, that it was that it was uh, state run, uh, but that sort of makes sense since it's affiliated with the college and everything. 
I'm sure in a lot of ways their hands are tied. So that's very, very sad because we, you know, we really missed it. And we mostly missed, uh, you know, seeing everybody is always so much fun. I always say it's kind of like going to summer camp and seeing all your best friends, you know. That so used to be like my vacation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that so, used to be like my vacation. And I helped Billy out yeah. the last year or two, and uh, I enjoyed it. You know, yeah, if you don't have nothing to do in your life, your life is still, it don't have no meaning. It don't have no meaning. I hear you. I mean, it's like people think I'm crazy when I say my favorite place to go in the whole world is Oli. And they're looking at me like, what do you mean? You don't want to go travel and stuff? And I was like, no, I really just love Oli so much. Like, it's so funny because people don't understand. But, you know, it's it's very nice to hear you have gone your whole life, you know, to the folk fest, but you still appreciate it so much. And I know it took um, us not having it this year because, you you know, Mervin, it gets real, real hot. Uh, and, you know, you kind of start to, you know, take it for granted. And it was a good reminder how special it is and how much we need it and miss it um, when we didn't have it this year. So I can't wait to be able to get back to it. Um, I'll be really looking forward to that. But um, did you ever help him paint hexines? Like, did he ever try and show you how to do it? Because he was probably painting so much. Well, I tell you what, if my father would have... If my father would have would have took the business over, which he was done out asking to do, uh, I'd probably be uh, I'd be probably doing hex signs instead of Eric Claypool. That would have certainly reached. If my father didn't want to do it, then uh, then uh, John Claypool uh, he asked John Claypool. John Claypool was a a welder and a burner, you know. You know, with a torch, and he asked him, and uh, that's how John Claypool got started through Johnny Ott, because Johnny Ott did, didn't want to let his talent, uh, how do you say, go away forever. Right, I hear you. Yeah, he wanted to. He wanted his that. talent to go. He had a talent, and he didn't want to yeah. let it die. Yes, for sure. Um, now he's. He's talked about in interviews before that his work was, some of it was largely inspired by, you know, the old stained glass in the European churches, which I think is really, really cool. Um, his his work, it has like a look and an aesthetic. Uh, it's just very, very unique. And you can always spot if it's a Johnny you know, and I just love that about his work. But I also am so intrigued by the fact, well, number one, that he painted the shoes and, and normal, like typical everyday items and also, um, you know, the, the hubcaps and everything. But then also inside of the restaurant, he decorated all of the walls and all of the ceilings. And it's just so beautiful, so much beautiful work in there. And um, I know the new owner, uh, Steve Stetzler, has worked really hard at trying to preserve those pieces, um, even though there was, I think, some water damage. But uh, were you around when he was painting that or was that already kind of done? I guess it was kind of early done because I'm a little, little, uh, a little uh, hasty, and I mean a little rusty on that. Gotcha. Yeah, it was probably just always there. And then also, um, Mervin, he had his little uh, studio in the back, right? And I forget. Yes, what he right, right there in that little tiny studio. But that was his studio in the back, where that little walkway goes up in. Yes, and there's a little parking place right there. That was his studio. Wow. 
Yeah. He would he would go in and manage the restaurant, and then when would he paint? Like at night? What did the man ever? Well, he had. I think he had <laughs> one or two people. One one or two people helping him on helping him on that. Oh, that's good. I mean, did the man sleep though? That's what I'm curious about. Well, he didn't have to do a lot. So Johnny <laughs> out, I think was. I think he was in the sixties already, in or seventies or something like that already. Uh, 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 the last couple of years that he lived. I think he was in the mid-70s. Oh, so he had really lived a full life. It's not like he... He didn't pass away real early in life. He had lived his, his good full life then. That's good. Well, I wouldn't say a full life, but over half or three quarters. I know, I'd say halfway anyway. Yeah. You know what I... I mean, yeah. There's so much life left. Um, but, you know, I wish... I wish we knew more about him, and I wish, um, you know, there there had been more written about him. And then I guess he had also collaborated a lot with Jacob Zook and uh, worked with him on making some different designs and stuff. Yeah. But you know what? He didn't yeah. care for him that much. He might have worked with him. <laughs> he didn't care too much for him. Well, that's Johnny, Johnny Ott's version and his version were two different versions. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Now, this is very interesting, Mervyn, because I, yes. I happen to feel the same way only because, um, you know, I did a lot of research. I was working on a paper, a thesis, you know, probably around when we met, you and I, and I did a lot of research about um, a lot of the stuff that was, uh, you know, um, What's the word that I want for it? Um, you know, when people would take our culture and misinterpret it and then, like, use it for tourism reasons, which was really big. But, you know, you know, Jacob Zook was real guilty of that and uh, definitely portraying this 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 fake narrative or false narrative. Um, he was real guilty of that. And uh, that's interesting to know, though, because people always put the two together and say, you know, worked hand in hand and it must have been like a good partnership. But I, you know, I feel like the people I've talked to that knew Zook, it sounded like he was pretty arrogant. And it sounds to me from what you, t you have told me about Johnny Ott, that he was not. He was a very, like, kind person and uh, you know, caring and, and you know. He made some hex signs because he believed and he made a certain certain uh, hex sign for the pawn and that was supposed to keep the evil spirits and stuff away. Yeah, exactly. Which is why, which is why, Mervyn, it, it like riddles me why, why um, people have taken on this idea that they're chest for knife and who came up with that one? Because... No, he had belief for all his signs. I know, me too. I hear you. I'm just saying, where that did this come guy, That Jacob guy just, just did that there for uh, uh, something to do with, and fun. to me, to him, it was like fun. He didn't have a, yeah. the, meaning, the meaning in it like Johnny Ott did. He didn't have right. his heart and soul in like Johnny Ott did. Right. Right, and that's exactly what I mean. And and the thing that sucks about it, Mervin, is like that. So there's a fork in the road, and Johnny Ott was on one side, and Jacob Zook's beliefs about hex science or barn stars was on the other side. And then it seems to be because Jacob Zook had such a huge reach, um, I mean, like across America because of the silk screening, 
that 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 perspective really took off and became the um, the general uh, narrative of hex signs. But I 100% agree with Johnny Ott that there was meaning. But the thing about Johnny Ott that I find really cool is he actually believed it. It wasn't like he was selling it and didn't believe it himself. He actually believed there was meaning to it. And I think that's really, yep. really cool. Yeah. Yes, I mean, and you know, back in that time, there was no, no uh, eBay and computer and stuff like that. Right. The sign zone and stuff like that. And you know what I mean? Have your picture and stuff. Johnny Hart sold his hex signs like at the folk festival and at his, at his, uh, restaurant and stuff. And, uh, that was it. I mean, the word of mouth. He didn't have all the advertising like that Jacob does. I mean, I mean, I thought I about Johnny after Jacob when he's out at the boat festival. Uh, you can you can tell there's a little bit of uh, stubbornness in there or something. How do you say that? Oh, like rivalry? Like yeah. rivalry? Yeah. Yeah, that he, that he really wasn't 100% for Johnny Hart. That's so funny. You know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We, I mean, I didn't, court, clearly I didn't ever get to meet him, but from all of my research and all the articles I read and just talking to people that kind of knew him, sounded like he was a pretty, pretty big time egomaniac. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I'm certainly happy that he was out in Lancaster County and not here, you know, where we are in Berks County, where it really is like the, um, what's, what's Hunter always call it? It's like, uh, it's like the number, number one place for hex signs, you know, in our area in Kutztown and stuff. So, I mean, yeah. just the whole, the whole thing, it's just so perplexing. But I had always wondered, you know, because I look up to Johnny Ott, and I know Ivan Hoyt, who I love, you know Ivan Hoyt, is a really wonderful Hexstein painter. That is, like, his person that he really was inspired by um, as far as Hexstein painters go. And, you know, I always wondered, well, if, you know, he's such a good guy, like, why was he so down or into uh, Jacob's book, but that's real interesting to know that it wasn't really like that. So that's cool. Hey, what about, um, this is me, uh, Mervin. Did he really, because he's dressed up all the time in like sort of like an Amish garb uh, with the hat and everything. Was that something that he like perpetrated? He would, you know, have kind of like a persona that he would use? Um, or do you think that was... I don't know. I think he liked wearing that. Like, he used to wear sometimes a, a big black hat. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't see him have it on too often, but sometimes he had it on. So he did Yeah, I really call it so tough hat. Yeah. It's not like he was trying to like do a performance or pretend to be like Amish or anything. No. Just, yeah. Um that's real interesting. And another cool thing that I want to mention about you, Mervin, is uh that you actually sprocity dice. Right? Oh, he comes he can back good sweater. So Tony Hogood do. <laughs> I have no idea. I can talk about you. But that language is falling out. It's, it's uh, needless to say, even the Amish people no more. Five or three quarters ain't talking Dutch no more. I hate to see it go, but when I get looked at, the horning there, that used to be all Dutch. When you talk Dutch, they don't understand what you're talking no more. I know it's 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 the very language falling out. Well, you know, I, I only have one or one or two uh, uh, friends anymore that I can uh, one hunt and 
buddy from years ago, and he's like 87 or 89, but he seems to be pretty, pretty good, uh, uh, Jason Dickens. And when I see him in the summertime, I always stop out there at Daddy's porch at the trailer, and uh, we always talk Dutch from the hunting and everything else, you know. Because he said, I'm one of the only ones, too, he can talk Dutch to no more. I mean, a lot of the old Dutch people are gone. Yeah, and the younger generation really... don't want it no more. Well, I think I think there are a lot of young people that want to learn, but it's so hard when it, it's something that you haven't learned like your whole life growing up. It's really difficult to learn a new language when you're an adult. But I know there's a lot of efforts, which is nice. But I just remember a moment at the Folk Fest walking by. Um, Patrick was up on the ladder painting something, and you walked by, and you guys had a little a little back and forth and dice, and I was like, that is so cool. Yeah, um, yeah. Really, a neat moment. Like to just hear that. Uh, so you know, you know, there is hope, but it's certainly never going to be the same as it was. I think um, a lot of the, uh, you know, when there were the world wars, and then the public schools really didn't want the kids speaking it. I know my grandmother went through that here in in Oli. She wasn't allowed to speak it in public school. Um, and you know, the anti-German hysteria. Like it just, you could go on and on and on. But I did want to know, uh, did. Did Johnny Ott speak it? Do you remember that at all? I was going to get that. I was going to tell you. Of all the times, of all the times that I over, and I was there a lot with Pop and everything, I never heard him talk Dutch. Yeah, that's real interesting. Yep, I never did. That's on the cop truth. It's he did it when I wasn't there. Right. And I don't know if you would even know this, but I wonder, was Johnny Ott from... Lenhartsville, because I know um, when you and I talked before, we had talked about he was, I think he was Catholic, and he had been married at one point and had, like, a son, but... Yeah, yeah, son of Henry. He had a son, Henry. Gotcha. And Henry liked the blues a lot, because he always was carrying on about that. Oh, really? Yeah. I yeah. Don't know if you, like, I don't know if you know where he was born and stuff, if you know any of that stuff, but... Oh, not for Henry was, no. Oh, no, I mean, for Johnny, like, was he from Lenhurstville? Do you know that? Uh, that I can't really tell you. I don't think he... No, he wasn't originally from Lenhurstville, I don't think. I could be wrong, though. I can't... I, I can't really honestly answer that question truly. I bet you I can... I don't know. I bet you I can find him on the Internet somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I know one thing, when we go fishing all the way down to Conowinka, Maryland... Uh, and he'd drive, sometimes he'd be on your pins and needles. Because Johnny Up would be on the right side, the rope where you belonged, and then 50, 75 yards up, he'd be halfway up on the other side. And oh, if it's wow. done, he'd come over, he comes another car. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we always used to keep on him with that. Yeah. Because that was a long drive. It used to be like two and a half hours. On the Conowingo, Maryland. Oh, that yeah, that would be a long drive. Um, so I'm looking at an article, um, Mervin from 1999, uh, Ron Devlin from the Morning Call, um, and I looked up Johnny Ott, hex sign painter, and it says uh, Len Hartsville painter is known as a hex of a guy. Johnny Claypool may not believe in magic, but his signs are known to charm admirers. So this is this is so interesting to me because um. You know, we've talked extensively about 
you know, Hajani Ott really believed in, in the science having meaning and having, uh, like, sort of a potent way about um, about them, and they had a lot of meaning. And, and it's so interesting to me that the person that he passed it on to maybe didn't really believe that. Uh, I don't know. It's it's really interesting. But I know... Um, First you know, of all, he didn't have a trace no more John Claypool, so he figured he'd take this trace, and Johnny Up didn't want to let his trace die. So John, right. John Claypool, John Claypool I, I think, did a pretty good job of keeping it going on and, and painting them hex signs. He was sent okay. quite a few, I'd say, nights and, and, and mornings and stuff like that for a good month or so before he started doing his own. Yeah, Johnny Johnny Claypool's work is incredible. I love his work as well, and he he definitely did a good job uh, taking on on the business. And also, you know, Hunter, my husband, grew up with the Claypools and and had met Johnny Claypool a bunch of times, and said he had a really a really larger than life personality, a really big personality. And I've heard uh, also Johnny Ott as well had like a really great personality. And yeah. That's that they had in common too. I agree that that's really good, but it's so interesting because, you know, um, Eric will tell stories about how his dad would, you know, give somebody a hex sign if they asked for a specific meaning and then would warn them, you know, it really, really worked. So I think maybe this article is a little misleading because I do think that he did believe in it being, um, what I always tell people, Mervin, and I don't know, you know, this is kind of a new, like a new kind of new version of kind of maybe what Johnny Ott thought, but I always tell people to think of it as like a visual mantra. So it's like um, another Hexine painter, um, which his name's escaping me right now, called them painted prayers. Uh, and I think that's a really neat way to think of them. It's kind of like you're trying to put um, this this idea into the world and, and this symbol is just a way, another way of like praying for something instead of with words, but maybe with a symbol. So I always think of it that way. And I tell people, you know, you can look at the symbol and think about the thing that you want. And it's kind of like praying, but in a different way, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's something Johnny I'd like to do with hex signs. Yeah, for sure. Well, his work's incredible and we love it so much. And we loved hearing all about him from you. It was really so so wonderful and serendipitous that you came over to our booth and started talking to us. And like I told you before, Mervin, I just I was so enamored with your story about the shoes. It just really spoke to me um, as like a teacher and also a children's book author. So I got to get on it. It's just been really busy, which is good news, but it's been really busy around here. But uh, yeah, we just love his work so much, and we appreciate you sharing with us. And I have a bunch of pictures that I can include that you let us take of the stuff that he made for you guys and your and family. The, and then the fishing down the corner winker, he had the the bogey. like a dumb shit. I put the bogey out here, and uh, one of the tree branches fell down, and there was some paint on it that I was going to bring it in to save it, and the. The freaking tree fell down and smashed it off. It hurt me, but I thought, well, well, I guess it was supposed to be. <laughs> oh, God. That, the bucket where we had our, our 40 or 50 gallon garbage can in there where we put the fish in. But he used to use some fish for the restaurant and stuff, but I don't know why we kept so many fish because we could only kept what, we, what he could use. But then he'd take the other half. And go down to the crossroads before me and go up for her 
there used to be like a little little side dump that people used to dump on, and then he dumped the fish over there. I, I didn't like it, but I never said nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he couldn't use all the fish for the restroom, so you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think you told us too that um the strawberries, the wild strawberries you'd pick, he'd make it into jam and then didn't he pay you guys in like O. Henry's or something? Some kind of candy bar, right? Yeah. Uh, Fifth Avenue's uh Fifth Avenue's or uh uh Fifth Avenue's it was the most. And I trying to think of the other the other one. But O. Henry's and uh and uh, I think it was uh Curse kisses, stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool! What a nice guy, neat guy. Uh, well, yeah. listen, Mer- Mervin, I really appreciate your time and talking to us, and I can't wait to uh, share this interview with people and also the book and um, give people a little insight into what Johnny was like as a person. Uh, he sounds like he was just a really incredible guy. What was your well, I'm hoping day? we can meet again right at the folk festival or something like that. Because oh, yeah. I have one of these sucker outs of both of them, but I want to keep one. And I thought of giving, giving the one to you. Well, that's that's totally up to you. Um, you know, yeah. It's up to you. But listen, if you ever need help just keeping them protected, uh, we could put a varnish on it for you, too. Because that's what I did. Uh, Mervin gifted me this beautiful um, piece. It was an old... Uh, I guess it's called like a beer lamp for the bar when uh, Johnny Ott was running. Yeah, yeah. But it's all broken up. That's why I said it's, I give it to you to say what's left of it. Well, I, it still means so much to me because, you know, I'm a very, um, I'm a very, uh, I guess you could call it superstitious person. And I feel like, you know, it's part of my, my studio altar where I have things that inspire me, you know, from like my ancestors and stuff. Um, or, you know, this Johnny Ott piece is really, really nice to have. It's right at my window, and the light comes through, and it's really cool because I feel like he's kind of here with me in spirit. <laughs> and well, I it's not the best shape in the world, but I think at least if I give it to you, at least what's left will still stay there. Yeah, and you know what? That's, you know, it's just neat to have something that, that he made and, and his hand touched, and it reminds me even though I hear what you're saying, like it's broken and stuff and it's not in such great shape, but it kind of reminds me of like, you know, nothing is permanent. And especially with the way Johnny Ott works, um, you know, folk art is like that, you know, you put it on things that are everyday items and then, yeah, maybe they might not like uh, make it withstand the test of time. Right. But it's really still very special. And I think it's kind of a neat, just way to kind of work where you're putting your, it's almost like um, you're putting your your touch or your art on different things in the world for for many people to enjoy and consume, and not just a certain elite crowd or or people that can only afford it. You know, it's for all of the people. It's for the folk, which which means a lot to me. And I think he and I have that same similar spirit. Um, so I feel very connected to him through you and through stories of him. So I just want to thank you again, Mervin, so much for participating and reaching out and letting me interview you again. That was really, really great. Anything else you want to know? Well, I was going to ask you a couple fun questions before we go. We have about five more minutes uh, for the for the episode. Okay. I was going to ask 
I was going to ask you, what was your favorite dish to eat at the Dite Jack? If you guys, did you go as a family? Did you guys go over there and eat? No, but actually, I, I can't remember us going over there to eat, to tell you the truth. <laughs> I know. That's how it always is. I asked my grandmother, what was your favorite thing at the Folk Fest? And she said, I never went to the Folk Fest. It was too expensive. <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, I mean, I mean, no, I don't remember really, really eating over there, you know. Well, what was your favorite thing to eat at the Folk Fest? Let's do that. What's your favorite thing to eat over there? Well, I liked I liked uh, the sausage sandwiches. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and then and the last, too, I mean, the chicken dinner was good. That was very good. Yeah. We yeah. Were, yeah, we liked the the chicken guys. They had some good stuff over there. But the one year, uh, it was so smoky, though. I don't know if that was the same guy, but it was a lot of smoke. Uh, what What is your favorite? Um, Pennsylvania Dutch meal in general. Like, what's your favorite dish? I'm going to tell you mine first. It's a shoe fly pie, but what's yours? <laughs> yeah, a shoe fly pie. I too like the, the old Dutch shoe fly pie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's definitely yeah. my number. Um, and then can you tell us something in Pennsylvania Dutch? Um, something, anything you'd like to share, a phrase or anything, uh, something that you say or something that maybe um, could kind of encompass, you know, your relationship with Johnny Ott. I'm sure there's some uh, some neat phrases that we just don't know. Give us some dates, please. Well, ik heb Johnny Ott goed gekend. Well, ik heb een goed, 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 Very, very good. Very, very good. Now, what does that mean? That I knew Johnny Ott and... Uh, he was a good man. Yeah, that's awesome. Mervyn, that's very, very good. So I, I really appreciate your time, and you're going to help us to connect some dots. And, uh, you know. I'm sure that's more you're going to ask me. You just, I mean, you just can't answer everything uh, at one, one time, you know. Yeah, I well, mean, going. I mean, oh, I know what I should ask you. Uh, one of the times, and I have pictures of us from this, that you and I, saw each other at the Folk Fest, there was actually a um, a nice exhibition of Johnny, uh, Johnny Ott's work. Uh, the Heritage Center put it together. I think Patrick and them put it together. Um, yeah. I remember, oh, that was really, really cool to see. And um, the one piece we took a picture in front of, I think it had snakes on it or something like that. But um, what is your favorite motif that he painted? Like, is there a painting that you find that is your favorite ever? Um, or is it something that he oh, gave I tell you what, you were you wouldn't believe me if I told you anyhow. Oh, I believe anything. <laughs> I mean, it's the it's the the family tree painting that he made for for oh. the family. That's what I was going to ask you. That's very very cool. That's wonderful. And the other one I like is the the hex sign, like the the the. Uh, Decorations like to put on the on the farm for the hex to keep the hexes out. You know, the hex would be, you know what I mean. Oh yeah, I know what you mean. Well, what yeah, the, the, like? what, the ones they put on the barns. Yeah. Yeah. That's to I keep the you. barn safe, but don't burn down and and uh, right. wires. You know what I mean. Yes. 
and, and also, you... um... Yeah? Well, I was just going to say, you know, hay can catch on fire, too. It's crazy. Yeah, that, that, that goes like uh, gasoline. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, uh, Gundy Out had a deep voice like John Claypool. If you if you heard John Claypool talk, Gundy Out's yeah. voice is close to John Claypool. Oh, well, that's so cool. Yeah, I've heard um, Johnny Claypool in, and um, I've heard him interviewed. Uh, one of our friends, Len Smith, wait, is it Len Smith? Yeah, he did a he did a film, um, and Johnny Claypool was was interviewed in it. Did I ever get you a copy of the film? I think I gave you one, right? Were you able to watch that DVD? Yeah, I, yeah. yeah, yeah, yep. Oh, I cool. did. I was pretty good. Yeah, that was I the like, second one. That was really good. Yeah, the first one actually had um, John Claypool in it. So that was like the second one. It was really fun to do to do and be part of that. But, yeah, but see, I John mean, Claypool got to do everything that Johnny Ott didn't get to do, so John, Clay, John Claypool was very fortunate. But still, I mean, Johnny Ott is, Johnny Ott's, um, how do you say it, his, um, oh, geez, I can't think of it. His, uh, like his legacy? Yeah, his legacy, yeah, you're right. See, I needed you to help me there. <laughs> uh, his legacy is still living on now. To John, oh. It did to John Claypool, it got stronger, and now to Eric Claypool. But the way I understand, Eric Claypool uh, painted some uh, hex signs on the barn. He painted them himself. Yes, for sure. Oh, and John Claypool done. never did that, neither did Johnny Hart. He's done many, many, many barns. Yeah, it's incredible. Um just even talking to Patrick, they do a lot of restoration of the old um, barn stars, and then they will repaint them and bring them back um, to life. Actually, we have a um, we have an extra copy of the new Milton Hill book. I'm not sure if you saw it, but it's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Hunter, Hunter and I both bought it for each other for Christmas, and we didn't know it. <laughs> yeah. Now we have two copies. It's very funny. Um, yeah, I wish I wish uh, they would put together a book about Johnny Ott. That would make me so happy. I, I had a last time when I was little. A guy came in and wanted him to paint uh, paint the hex sign on on uh, uh, the the wood itself on the barn. And Johnny right. Ott said, "Oh, well, I just I can't go up there on the, on that side of the barn. I can't do that. <laughs> what do I look like? Do I look like a monkey?" <laughs> That's how he told. Oh That's so funny. Listen, I would be so terrified. Patrick has described the experience, and it sounds really like terrifying. I don't like heights, Marvin. So I'm with Johnny out there. I'm not doing that. But I give it up to the people that can. It's very, very cool. It's so much. Fun I had a laugh. He said, "Why do you think yeah. I'm a monkey?" <laughs> <laughs> I had a laugh. I <laughs> that always stuck in with me, you know. <laughs> what a fun. He must have been a lot of fun. Um. Oh, I know what I wanted to ask you before you go. Uh, so Johnny Ott was the owner at uh, the Dijek, and then he unfortunately passed away. And then for a short time, there was another owner named um. Oh. Herzog. Herzog. Connie Herzog. Connie Herzog. 
Oh, I thought there was um, another Hexstein painter, and I can't think of his name. Not Gensler. Um, no, Lee. not that I know of. When, when he went out, to, he went out. To, uh, uh, um, Connie Hertzog was in there for a while, and then she then she left. Uh, so that I know. Do you still go over there from time to time? Will you still go over there and eat? Well, I was in there last year. Usually, maybe once a year, just a nose poke. You yeah, know. So yeah. Yeah, we were there, I guess, um, geez, it's been way too long. We stopped by to see um, Eric's studio and, and, and hang out with Eric a little bit. I want to say it was like, I think I was pregnant and I only had one child. So yeah. it must have been 2012. So it's been a while. We need to get back out there because it is a very cool place. Just to put it into perspective, Lenhartsville is out near Kutztown, right? Uh, I, I mean, for me, that's what I always say. It's kind of near... Uh, where are you guys? Um, are are you guys off at twenty two? Are you guys off of the Hex Highway? I forget. We're off Old Twenty Two. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, cool. Old Twenty Two um, runs right through Leonardville. Yep, the Hex Highway they call it. Yeah, it's a really cool place to visit. You guys should check it out for sure. Um, and did you hear about Roadside America closing? I don't know if you ever got over there. Yeah, I was going to tell you that it's just a shame. I, you know what I mean. Well, you can think that. He shut them down, yeah. and they were running on the shoestring. And we shut them down. They had nothing coming in. So then they were trying to sell it, and they wanted $2 million, the way I understand, for everything, so that the people could jump right in and run it. And nobody right. bought it. So now the, uh, the, the the inside, which was the the big cities in there, they had Hamburg in there and all them cities there. They're all in like yeah. a miniature village there. They sold that yeah. whole thing in four, in four sections. Oh, it was, it and, was uh, really cool. Yeah, I know, and it's a shame. I thought to myself, I'll go in there quick. About a week or so ago, I was in there, and, and they said, no, you can't come in. Did you buy anything? I said, no. And they were in there writing the stuff down who bought it. I guess you could buy some of the stuff even offline. And it was a shame. Of, of uh, Pennsylvania, well, he turned them in for a lot of poor, poor restaurants, too. Yeah, it's, it's been a really, really, really tough time um, for everybody, of course, but also... Uh, and you know what? The Loose Roadside America. My God, that place is about, oh, I'd say a good 65, 70 years old. I've been dead as, 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 as seen like when I was a kid in school, and that was in 50, uh, uh, let's see, 57, 55, 56, and 57, we were there and see it. In the, with the school bus, you know. That was like oh, good 60 to 70 years that was there. It's oh, a shame, but... Used, huh? You guys used to take the school bus over there from, from London. Yep. Yep. That is so we cool. Go from from Leonardsville, Greenwich, Leonardsville, we went. I went from the one-room school out to Greenwich, Leonardsville, in uh, Groomsville, and then we, we were there, and then the bus would go take us from there up to Charlottesville to... Roadside America. It's a shame. What are you going to do? Nothing is forever. So you got to learn to cope with what's, what's there and what ain't no more, I guess, Rachel. That's really so true, Mervyn. And I do hear you, though. Even, you know, I grew up in the 80s. We we had so many cool experiences in school, and they just don't do it anymore. I mean, my kids, nope. they, go, they don't even go on field trips anymore. It's really, really sad. Um, 
I'm really proud I used of to you love that. Me too. What an amazing, what an amazing experience. And a lot of times the kids wouldn't have ever experienced it if it weren't for school. Uh, you know, they didn't maybe have money or time to do it with their family. So it was really important and a really important contribution of schools. But now, you know, it's, it's changed so much. So I don't even want to get into that because <laughs> I know. As, a teacher, as a teacher, I don't, I like, know. You know, I don't like what's happened. So, um, but Mervin, listen, I'm going to let you go because we're at 51 minutes and that's perfect. And I really appreciate your time. And thank you so much for, for having it. Well, anything else, you're always, you're always willing to call me. I mean, uh, like if I'm here there, I'll gladly talk to you to, to give you the knowledge to put in the book. Because what good is it thank to me if nobody else knows it? You know what I mean? For sure. And I really appreciate that because you're the only person that I've been able to meet that actually knew him so well so we really appreciate your time and uh your your like giving I said if we need it and that I know what the book was or something's going to be and we're still all alive and healthy yet I want to bring you that fishing rod of his I got the both of them but I want to keep the one the other one I want to give to you because I know it's I know it's going to stay preserved for a long time oh you know it <laughs> yeah thank you so much, Mervin. That's really so kind of you. And again, thank you. I got the one quick sign. I showed you that, didn't I? Yeah, you did. You showed yeah, it with, a lot of Yeah, it was Amish guy on. Yeah, we love yeah. it. And it, it was nice, too, because I know it's a real hot time, and it was really kind of you to, like, lug all that stuff to bring and show us, too. So we really appreciate it. I showed it, you my paddle, didn't you? Oh, yeah. We got definitely saw the paddle, yep. We saw we saw a lot of good stuff, Mervin, and and we really value your time. I showed you a picture of Johnny out in the studio there, but it ain't the best because it's in the uh, newspaper. You know what I mean? And he uh, yes. he uh, put that on the paper for me and gave it to us. You know what I should do, Mervin? Actually, I should take that picture and then maybe paint over top of it to make it like kind of nicer. Maybe I'll do that, and maybe I'll send you a copy of it. That would be kind of cool, right? Make like um, yeah. a hand paint a hand-painted photograph. I'm going to have to do that. That would be really fun. All right, Mervin. Well, thank you so much. And you've also shared a ton of pictures of, of your childhood with me too, uh, so that I could use for a reference for the book. So you anything, anything you want to put in there, you got my permission to flying colors to oh. do. Cause I don't know how long I'm going to live and I must give my knowledge and give it to somebody or put it in the book. So that stays alive. Well, thank you so much. And it's been so much fun catching up with you. And I'm so glad to hear you're in good health and doing well. And we will always have you in our thoughts. And I hope you continue to stay well and enjoy um, the time. With if you family. want to know something, anything else different or something, just give me a call. You got it. And same with you. Yeah, I, I, I answer machine don't work no more because I don't know what happened with this wireless. I don't know. And I don't know how to do it myself. But, you know, sometime maybe this summer I'll, I'll pick up one of my granddaughters, uh, uh, granddaughter to see if she can redo it around. But Michaela's pretty smart on that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, Mervin, you have a be you have a beautiful family too. I got to meet your daughter and your granddaughter. That was really fun. Well, now anytime you want to call me, ask more stuff. I mean, just go and do it. I mean, hell, I'm yeah. willing, more willing to, to help you out what I can. That's so kind. Thank you so much, Mervin, and thanks for joining us today. And you have a wonderful evening, and uh, hope to see you at the Folk Fest eventually. <laughs> yeah, I hope so, too, yet. That would oh, be yeah. nice. I look forward to that. 
been it's been a very very difficult time to live through, and I've seen a lot. I mean, I haven't been alive that long. I know. I've seen a lot. And I I just can't wait, um, you know, to come out of this. I really hope that we can. You know, I think our culture, the Pennsylvania culture, was doing pretty good. I think there was a lot of interest. We were getting a lot of really uh, quality people coming to the Folk Fest and being interested in learning more. And I felt like I um, there, there was like a renaissance of there was a renaissance of um, you know interest and and people you know you know supporting it and wanting to see it stay alive. And I and I'm just I hope. You know, I know that our culture has been through a lot many times, but. And you're hoping it don't do it like the vote tried America. Yeah, well, for sure. I mean, I know many of us will keep it going, but I do, I do hope that in my heart that I would very, very much be sad to see the folks that um, not working, you know, not happen, not happen. And you know what hurts me too, to, to see the Dutch language disappearing. I actually got to find somebody now to talk Dutch to, you know. Listen, I got a bunch of people I can send them your way. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you My what. My friends are to Florida now, so I said, uh, Papa K, teach you, teach you now. I said, when you're in Florida, I said, go get your master's degree. After that, I said, well, it'll be after December. I said, well, and I said, when you come up, I can work a little bit with you. I oh, said, tell you the numbers, like one is Ains. Ain't a two is tray, three is a dry, four is zero, five is simple, six is sexa, seven is uh, 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 seven is silver, eight is octa, nine is nana, and ten is tea. There you go. And then, then you start, uh, ancient, uh, tea, tray and tea, dry and tray, and that's, uh, that's 13, you know. That's how you go. <laughs> yeah. I know it's it's very it's very sad, but I tell you what, there are a lot of efforts, and you know, really, really strong efforts to try and keep it alive. And I think they're doing a good job, but it's just, you know, it's just never going to be the same because it it just it just is not going to be the same. But it's still it's still alive, it's still kicking. They're still hopeful, but um, it's been it's been a real pleasure to chat with you, Mervin, and thank and you. And so I much for talking to you too. I enjoyed it. I'm so glad that you're doing well, and we will definitely be in touch again when I come up with another question, right, or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, feel free, definitely. I'd be offended if you wouldn't call me. Oh, gosh, I'm not like that at all. I'm real old school. I definitely call people, so. That's good, so, then. You're, you're with me, yet. I'm in the old school, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope yeah. you have a great afternoon, Mervin, and thank you so much, and mach good. Definitely. Hey, all my Big Mama Hex fans, please, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you don't mind. And please don't forget to subscribe. Thank you all for listening and mock scoot.